Well, good morning. It's a little after it's a little after 10:30, but uh, we will get started on Sunday school this morning. Um, I am not Pastor Terry. He is out of town, and I am filling in this week uh, as we study Deuteronomy chapter seven. So let's let's open with. Um, prayer. Does anybody have any prayer requests for us this morning before we open? I don't see any, so uh, let's let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Father, uh, you are the great God and, and the only God the only one worthy of our praise, and we come before you as your children. It says in your word over and over again that that you loved us uh, and that you called us into fellowship with you. And so we we are gathered here today as as your church um, that you love and you've called. And Lord, we... Uh, open your word today as we uh, study Deuteronomy. We pray that this would uh, advance our quest to be disciples of Jesus Christ, uh, to make he, you known throughout the world. Lord, we pray that your spirit is with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 7 is where we are. Um, and Pastor Terry mentioned uh, last week that that Deuteronomy uh, 7 is part of an exposition of the first commandment. Moses is talking to the people of Israel before they enter the promised land, um, and, it, and Deuteronomy is a series of, of sermons, really, by... Moses about what has happened with Israel and what they should do when they go into uh, the promised land. Uh, And in that, from chapter 6 to chapter 11, um, Moses expounds, as Pastor Terry mentioned, the first commandment. So the first commandment is, you shall have no other gods before me. And uh, Terry mentioned that this is, these chapters, these Six chapters from 6 to 11 are an exposition of that. Well, as we study Deuteronomy 7, we'll see how intertwined the commandments are. Because Deuteronomy chapter 7 is largely about the second commandment. That you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth, and you shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. So the... Deuteronomy 7 speaks to both of those things, and, and as I mentioned, this is, this is as the people of Israel are about to enter the promised land. So this is after Exodus, it's, 
It's after the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. They are now on the edge of the promised land, waiting to go in. And God is instructing through Moses what the people are to do when they go into the land. And and Exodus 7 is part of that. Uh, Just for uh, instance, at the beginning of of Deuteronomy 7, it says this, When the Lord your God brings you into the land, so the Lord is going to bring you into the land, you should do this. So that's what Deuteronomy 7 is about. And so just a quick overview of Deuteronomy 7, because we're breaking it into two weeks. Uh, Pastor Terry did 1 through 11 last week, and, and, and we'll do 12 through 28 today. But just to get a view of what Deuteronomy 7 looks like, it's like this. Okay, so when God is speaking through Moses, when you enter the land, there is a threat. Okay, there's a threat when you enter the land. And that threat, we will take care of. We will eliminate that threat. I will eliminate that threat, and you will eliminate that threat. And, and here's why you're going to eliminate that threat. Because you are my people. You are my holy people, and I love you. That's why you're going to eliminate that threat. They are a threat to you. They're a threat to your obedience to me. They're, they're a threat to... The, the threat is a hindrance to the blessings of the covenant. But you are a holy people, and I love you, and so we will eliminate that threat. The threat is very real, but it might not be what you think it is. The threat might be different than you're expecting that threat to be. And so... You have to be diligent in eliminating the threat. So so that's, in essence, what Deuteronomy chapter 7 is. You are people that are loved by God, and you are his holy people. So I keep running into, you find that in verses like 6 and 7 and 8 of Deuteronomy 7, that, that God loves his people that they're a holy people, there is treasured possession. I keep running into descriptions like that um, in my studies and in preparations. I was at, at Bible study the other day on Thursday um, talking about Christians now. So not talking about the people of Israel, talking about Christians now. Paul, when he addresses the Romans, he writes this, his letter to the Romans. Here, here's what he says. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, or as the the NIV would put it, as his holy people, same word, loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. To all those who are loved by God. And called to be his holy people. The same, same phrases that you're going to see in Deuteronomy 7. As Christians, we, we, we are really good on understanding that we are loved by God. How good are we to understanding that we are called to be his holy people? That's, that's the way that 
that Paul writes it at the beginning of Romans chapter 7. Called to be his holy people. Same thing that is going on in Deuteronomy. So we're in Deuteronomy. I mentioned 12 or 7, 12 through 26. I'll just read through that. Uh, and then we'll break it into sections. I think the ESV just has two paragraphs. So actually break it into three sections that we'll make points on. Uh, but first we'll just read through it. Deuteronomy 7, 12 through 26. This is right out of the ESV. And because you listen to these rules and keep them and do them, the Lord your God will keep you Keep with you the covenant and the steadfast love that he swore to your fathers. He will love you, bless you, and multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground, your grain and your wine and your oil, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock in the land that he swore to your fathers to give you. You shall be blessed above all peoples. There shall not be a male or a female barren among you or among your livestock. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness and none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which you knew, will he inflict on you. But he will lay them on all who hate you, and you shall consume all the peoples that the Lord your God will give over to you. Your eyes shall not pity them, neither shall you serve their gods, for that would be a snare to you. And if you say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? You shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt, the great trials that your eyes saw the signs, the wonders, the mighty hand, and the outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out. So will the Lord your God do to all the peoples of whom you are afraid. Moreover, the Lord your God will send hornets among them until those who are left and hide themselves from you are destroyed. You shall not be in dread of them, for the Lord your God is in your midst." a great and awesome God. The Lord your God will clear away these nations before you little by little. You may not make an end of them all at once, lest the wild beasts grow too numerous for you. But the Lord your God will give them over to you and throw them into great confusion until they are destroyed. And he will give their kings into your hand. And you shall make their name perish from under the heaven. No one shall be able to stand against you until you have destroyed them. The carved images of their gods you shall burn with fire. You shall not covet the silver or the gold that is on them, or take it for yourselves, lest you be ensnared by it. For it is an abomination to the Lord your God, and you shall not bring an abominable thing into your house and become devoted to destruction like it. You shall utterly detest and abhor it, for it is devoted to destruction. Okay, so I mentioned that there is a threat to the Israelites. 
to their obedience and, and, to, um, and to the blessing of the covenant that God has. So, so here's the main point then. Here's the thing that we're going to be looking at, that the Canaanites are a threat to the blessings of obeying the Lord. The Canaanites are the threat to the blessing for obeying the Lord. So the first part we'll look at in the first paragraph uh, is the blessing that for obeying the Lord. The second part, uh, at the very end of the first paragraph and also into the next paragraph, threats to obeying the Lord. So two real threats and one that's just perceived. There are two real threats, one that's perceived, and the third one is to totally destroy the threat, lest you be destroyed. Okay, so first, blessings for obeying the Lord, starting in verse 12. Verse 12. And because you listen to these rules and keep and do them, the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the steadfast love that he swore to your fathers. We're going to stop just for a little bit on this verse and just talk about it. So, so ESV says, because you listen to these rules. Um, anybody have anything different from because you listen to these rules? Yeah. If you listen to these rules. If you listen to the, these rules. That says in the new NIV. It's also in the King James. Um, if, if you listen, well, the word that they're translating is there is this word. It means this, as a consequence of. So the NIV says if, right? The ESV says because, but as a consequence of you listening to these rules and keeping them. To do them, the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the steadfast love that he swore to your father. So, so because you listen to these rules, well, what rules? Could, could apply to a lot of things. Could be the Ten Commandments. Moses has just reiterated the Ten Commandments to them. He's also um, talked to them about the Shema, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He's also done that. But I think specifically here, he's talking about the things that he just told them to do. In this, these commandments that I am giving to you uh, in verses 1 through 5 of Deuteronomy 7. So if you keep these, if you do these things... So here we go. When the Lord your God, this is verses 1 through 5, brings you into the land that you are entering to take possession of it and clears away many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, seven nations more numerous and mighty than you. And when, and from here on out, we'll summarize those by saying Canaanites, and when the Lord your God gives them over to you, and you defeat them, then you must devote them to complete destruction. You shall make no covenant with them, 
and show no mercy to them. You shall not intermarry with them, giving your daughters to their, to their sons or taking their daughters for your sons, for they would turn your sons from following me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord would be kindled against you, and he would destroy you quickly. So that's what we're trying to avoid, right? We're trying to avoid that the anger of the Lord is kindled against them from serving other gods. That's the, that's the threat that the Canaanites bring. And then verse 5, But thus you shall deal with them. You shall break down their altars and dash in pieces their pillars and chop down their asherim and burn their carved images with fire. A lot of, a lot of second commandment things there that they're supposed to, to avoid. So what does the last part of this verse mean? And because you listen to these rules and keep and do them or keep them by doing them, the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the steadfast love that he swore to your fathers. Does that mean if you don't, as Israelites, keep the covenant, if you don't obey, that God will no longer keep the covenant? That's not what it means. What it means is the, the covenant things that you would like, the blessing things that you would like, if you listen to these rules, then the Lord will give you those covenant blessings. It's not going, not going to be that, that he abandons the covenant with you because there are blessing, in the covenant there are both blessings and curses. So if you want the, if you want the blessings of this covenant... You obey. If you don't want the blessings of this covenant, you do not obey. And so, we might say, well, well, that's why I like the new covenant. Right? The new covenant is, the new covenant is, you know, Jesus paid it all. He does all the work. Justification is by Faith alone in Christ alone, as it says in the Evangelical Free Church Statement of Faith, a summary of that whole doctrine. There's no commandment keeping. Um, yeah, I just have to believe and then, and then I'm set. Well, is that what the New Testament teaches? If it does teach that, why does Jesus say, if you love me, you will keep my commandments? Why does it say in, in the passage that we quote along here, around here often from Ezekiel 36 that I will put my spirit in you and he will cause you to walk in my ways. So the point is that this is the same thing with Israel. You are my people. You're, my, you're to be my holy people. I love you, and so do this. The same with what, what we have in the New Testament with Christ. I've forgiven your sins. You're my people. Now do this. And Jesus would say, well, here, here's a real good example. We, we covered it last Sunday night. It was from John, John chapter 8. When Jesus says to Jewish people who had believed in me, 
If you remain in my words, then you will be my disciples. If you remain in my words. So there is, there is a remaining that we need to do. There is, a, there is a holiness that God makes us into as a people. We are sanctified. It's, it's the same with the Israelites. Okay, so let's go on to the rest of those um, this this paragraph, which is what are the blessings? What really are the blessings that there are for obedience to um, the the covenant or the commandments that the Lord is giving them? Verse thirteen: He will love you, bless you, multiply you, and He will. Bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground. Okay, so that's, that's pretty much everything that you would want in that kind of a culture. Your grain, by explanation. Your new wine, it would be. Uh, ESV just says wine. Your oil. The increase of your herds. The young of your flock in the land that he swore your fathers to give you. So, so in the text, in the Hebrew text, all of those things, that extended description of your grain and your wine, are related to and even named the same as many of the gods of the Canaanites. So the Lord's going to do this thing for you. You don't, you don't serve other gods like the Canaanites do to get those things. There, there isn't a grain god for you. There's not a new wine god for you. There's not a childbearing god for you other than the one true God. There is no, other re, there is no reason to worship any other gods you will have no other gods before me. Like, like Pastor, Tension, Pastor Terry mentioned, the, an exposition of the first commandment. You shall be blessed above all peoples. There shall not be a male or female barren among you or among your livestock. The Lord will take away all, from you all sickness and none of the evil diseases of Egypt which you knew will he inflict on you but he will but he will lay on them all who hate you lay on them, lay them all on those who hate you so commentators make comments about about diseases that Egypt probably had at this time did have at this at this time so in in South Sudan um, the rivers there feed they're the upper Nile they feed the the Nile, and people there who drink water from the upper Nile get diseases like this. They get diseases like dysentery that, that, that is just terrible, right? They get blindness. They get parasites that crawl in and in under your skin. Those kind of things, for sure, aside from others, would be included in this kind of, these kind of diseases that they would have experienced in Egypt. And then verse 16, which, which um, 
The ESV treats like a command. And you shall consume all the peoples that the Lord your God will give over to you. Your eyes shall not pity them, neither shall you serve their gods, for that would be a snare to you. So we'll pause after that first paragraph if anybody wants to make a comment or uh, ask a question about the, that, that paragraph. Okay, we will move on. So, I'm sure that you noticed it, that that the threat we talked about for obeying the Lord, uh, there is one right at the end of that paragraph in in verse 16. It refers back to the beginning of what what happened at the beginning of this chapter. Um, It's a real threat. So, remember I said there were two threats here from the Canaanites. One's real. Another one's real, but the perceived one is between them. There's a perceived threat from the Canaanites that is not a real threat. So the real threat is the Canaanites and their gods. And you shall consume all the peoples that the Lord your God will give over to you. Notice he's giving them over to you. Your eyes shall not pity them, neither shall you serve their gods, for that would be... A snare to you. So, so the, I, the Canaanites had idols. I mentioned a few of those early. And the, and the threat is that they would turn um, the hearts of the people away from serving the one true God. They had all kinds of strange worship practices in Canaan. They were a, a vulgar people. Let's say that. Let's just say it that way. Uh, Exodus, or excuse me, Leviticus 18, uh, if you want to look some of that up, where they're command, you're commanded not to do these things because, because the people of the land practice those things and the land spewed them out because of, that's, that's how God phrases it there. All kinds of religious practices like baby sacrifices, like sacrificing their babies, we're not supposed to do that, so we're not supposed to worship their gods. We're not supposed to worship the, that, that they do. All kinds of deviant sexual practices, um, both as a part of worship and just a part of everyday life. Um, and just having the Canaanites around is a threat. And probably the biggest threat to them is if they would actually intermarry with them So verse 16 again, you shall consume all the peoples that the Lord your God will give over to you. Your eye shall not pity them, neither shall you serve their gods, for that would be a snare to you. So a snare here. So this is what a snare is. A snare is usually like a net, kind of hidden with food on top of it. It's the way you catch birds, right? You catch birds, you put some food out there, you, you look, you see what the birds are eating, you get some of that, and you put it over a net, and then you catch them with that net. So people do that now, today, in South Dakota. They call it food plots. Um, 
But birds are still caught, they're shot the way that they used to be caught. Get a food plot for them. They will stay there. They will come back. They can't resist food. After all, they are bird brains, right? Well, this week, I think it was Wednesday. It, it might not. It might have been Thursday. I don't know. Albert Moeller, um, his podcast, mentioned these grizzly bears in Alaska. They come back to the same place year after year at this particular week. You can watch them online, I guess. Um, and they eat salmon. And, and there's a voting contest on who's the fattest bear. You can vote online who's the fattest bear by the end of the week. But they come back the, the same place year after year and just gorge themselves on, on salmon. And there's one bear you mentioned just sits in the middle of the river and just waits for the salmon to come to him and then he just eats them one after another. Um, so you can't hunt grizzly bears there. Right? That would be a bad thing. But it used to be it used to be illegal in Alaska to hunt grizzly bears over any kind of bait. It's not illegal anymore. Um, and so I was talking to someone up there, a, a guide up there actually, about how they hunt grizzly bears over a bait. He said, well, what, what we do, we put the bait out, you know, we've got it so that they have to work at it to get it. But bears, if you don't know, bears have really, really, really good noses and not very good eyesight. They have pretty, pretty bad eyesight, but they have great smell and they like food. Um, and so they will come to that, that bait and, and they hunt them either from, you know, from a tree or on the ground with a rifle, with a bow, and he said, he said this, here's something that you, you need to know if you're ever going to do that. I'm not doing that. But here's something that you need to, to know if you're going to do that. When, they, when the bears come in, most of the time, they stop and look right at you, right into your face. Why would they do that? They know you're there. They've decided the food is worth it anyway. I'm coming in to get that food. Well, God has laid that out for the Canaanites, or for, for, for the Israelites, for the Canaanites. They will be like that to you. They will be a snare to you. Their gods will be a snare to you. And when you're hunting grizzly bears, what happens when they come into that bait? Somebody shoots them. Right? They get destroyed. They're a snare to you. Earlier, God, God said through Moses, don't let this happen, lest I destroy you. Don't let them be the reason that I destroy you, and a particularly effective bait is intermarrying. And that's why it says, you shall not intermarry with them, giving your daughters to their sons or taking their daughters for your sons, for they would turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord would be kindled against you, and he would destroy you. 
Don't be part of that snare. So, do you think King Solomon knew about that? Saw the, saw the snare, saw the bait, thought it was worth it anyway. Lots of people see that bait and go in anyway. We have the same, same problem today, right? Um, we know what can happen when we abandon God, when we compromise on things like when we compromise on things like marriage. We know the threat. It's worth it anyway. In a lot of cases, it is worth it anyway. They think. So next verse, if you say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? So here's the perceived threat. Moses says, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that that we won't really be able to dispossess the Canaanites. We won't be able to come in and take the land that the Lord has given us. These nations are greater than than I. They're, They're too big for us. It's too hard. How can we do that? Well, Moses gives them the answer, and he gives them the answer, well, yes, that's true. You, they are too big for you, but they are not too big for God. So when you are afraid of them, think about this, verses 18 and 19, you shall not be afraid of them. But you shall remember that the Lord your God, what your God, the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt, the great trials that your eyes saw, the signs, the wonders, the mighty hand and the outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out. So will the Lord your God do to all the peoples of whom you are afraid. So, so God has already shown that he can defeat nations stronger than you. So nations stronger than you are not a threat. They're not a real threat to you. They're a perceived threat to you. The real threat there is that you're afraid of them. Do not be afraid of them, but remember. But remember what God has done. So they're not really a militarily threat. So that's Moses' solution. Remember what God has done. And then he goes on. He goes on. He says, don't forget what he did. Now think about the the swarms of flies that you saw. Think about the swarms of gnats that you saw. Think about how the first in Egypt were killed, firstborn in Egypt were killed. Think about what happened when you crossed the Red Sea. Think about those things, how, how God destroyed all of those people. And he will do that for you as well. And not only that, he will do more for you than he did with you, for you in Egypt. He's going to do things that you haven't seen yet. Like verse 20. Moreover, the Lord your God will send hornets among them. Until those who are left and hide themselves from you are destroyed. So once they're driven out, there will be some stragglers left behind. And God says, I'll send 
and they'll be able to hide from you, but I'll send hornets after them. So there's a particular kind of hornet. It's debated what this is, but there is one particular kind of hornet uh, in that region that, that goes in swarms, and it is deadly. It's aggressive, and it's actually deadly. It actually can kill people in swarms, and it is aggressive. So, so God, remember what God's done. God will do more for you than he's done already. Third thing. You shall not be in dread of them, for the Lord your God is in your midst, a great and awesome God. So so of course they're not a threat to you. God's with you. What can man do to you? God is with you. He is a great and awesome God. God, and he will do what he promised. So, remember what he's done. He'll do more. He is with you, and he will do what he promised. Verses 22 um, through 24. And the Lord your God will clear away. He just promised you that he was going to do this, these nations before you, little by little. You may not make an end to them all at once, lest the wild beast grew grow too numerous for you. So don't be, don't be surprised if this takes longer than you think it, does, it will. God is doing that with a purpose. God will fulfill his promises. But the Lord your God will give them over to you and throw them into great confusion until they are destroyed. So God fights in different ways than you can think of. He can make your enemy confused. He can make them destroy each other, which he does. And he will give their kings into your hand. You had been in, by the way, you had been in the hand of the king of Egypt, which God, by his strong hand, delivered them, delivered you from him. He will deliver you from other kings as well. Kings are not a threat. World leaders are not a threat to God, you shall make their name perish from under heaven. No one will be able to stand against you until you have destroyed them. So remember what God has done. God will do more. Don't be afraid because God is with you and he will keep his promises. That all sounds familiar to me. Same thing to the Israelites. God gives them the same instructions. We'll pause there at the end of that. That's not a paragraph break in the ESV, but let's, let's pause there, um, see if anybody wants to make an observation or uh, raise a question or a concern. Or, Yeah. So, so Barb made the point, how do we relate this commandment uh, that they are to take the land um, with our commandments today, where we are to love and that we are to um, 
show compassion for people, and, and they're not. They're told, to, they're told to wipe them out. Well, first of all, the United States is not Israel and not a derivative of Israel, right? In the, in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven uh, that we live in under the new commandment is not a governmental authority, right? So we are to, we are to live as members of the kingdom of God wherever we happen to be on the earth. And we are to live among the peoples uh, instead of, you know, I'll go back to, to Israel in a minute, instead of being, we are to live among the people as lights shining with our churches, as, as groups of believers, we are to be that. And, and, and Paul writes things like, well, let your conduct be so good among the Gentiles that they worship God, basically, at the end. They give glory to God on the day of visitation. So our conduct is to be a light to the world. Now, now Israel was also to be a light to the world, but in a, in a different setting. They were to be a holy people set apart to God, which we are to be, but it's in a different way. That land was a promise to them to for a specific purpose at a specific time. And they were not guaranteed that land forever. But he was to main, he was maintaining his people as a holy people, um, separate from the other nations and the other gods. So they were to... We don't like the idea. We, we, we think it's a bad idea. We think God made a mistake, maybe, if you want to take that to a logical extension, to wipe out the Canaanites. Right? First of all, they didn't ever get completely wiped out. Some of the nations did. They got spread out. They, but they didn't, they didn't all get completely wiped out. The point is eliminate the threat of false worship. Eliminate the threat of, of worshiping someone else. So in that context of eliminating the threat of worship, we have things in the New Testament like um, 2 Corinthians 6. Don't be um, yoked, unequally yoked, right, with unbelievers. So there, there's debate about what that means. Um, I'm going to turn to it. Um, so that is Second Corinthians um, chapter 6, verses, I think it starts in 14. So the, so the debate is, it's it long been applied to marriage, right? So that is certainly one case that, that, that it could be. Um, but part of the argument is, well, this is about, this is about what, what fellowship does God have with demons? So maybe it isn't about marriage, or maybe it's about something else. But, but in the context of Deuteronomy, and in the context of what was happening, or what, what was potentially happening with marriage in, in, in Deuteronomy to the Canaanites and what that would lead to, which would be idolatry, 
Um, let's read that in light of, let's read this in light of that. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said. And then he goes on to say, um, so in, in Deuteronomy, certainly the, the threat of intermarriage was a threat to idolatry. Right? That's, that's what it, it was. It was a threat to, I'm going to turn your heart away from God. So certainly marriage was one of the ways that that happened, right? So marriage, hap- marriage would happen that way. It would turn hearts away from God. Can it do that today? So, so can, can a marriage to somebody who is, and, and we, we don't really live in Canaan. I'm going to change that. We do live in Canaan. Right? We do live in Canaan. That's not an original thought. We do live in Canaan. Right? We have what they have. All kinds of strange worship practices. Okay? All kinds of strange and deviant sexual practices. All kinds of gods that are not our God. And, and probably the worst one is, is just the idea of secularism, right? People that are secular. Can any of those things, intermarrying with any of those things, can, can that turn someone's heart against away from God? Of course it can. Of course it can. But this may even have a broader perspective in, in 2 Corinthians. Well, how about... How about going into business with people with that same mindset? Can that do that? Laying your fortunes together and say, well, you know, let, let's, let's start a business together. Yeah, that could too. There are lots of ways that we can be unequally yoked with with unbelievers, any of those things that that has the potential to turn us away from 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 worshiping God to worshiping other things to worshiping uh, we don't usually see idols around, but worshiping other th- other things as as we know that, that that Jesus says well you can't worship both God and money. Do you think that um, a secularist who you go into business with might be able to convince you that it's really, really, really important to put money at the top of the list of things that you should be concerned about? Of course it is. Of course it is. There are all kinds of things. I'm, am I off track? <laughs> Yes. And they 
we do. But how is God talking? Does he give him more of the physical things to be obedient about, and we're lacking in our spiritual sight, just like what you said this morning? We are blessed, but if we look out there, we're not blessed. Oh yeah, right. So. Quoting from, yeah, from Psalm 73, for example, where it looks like the other people are blessed, but it doesn't look like, yes, yes, right, right, well, that is, um, both, their blessings were both, both spiritual and physical, you know, the, the land was definitely tied to that, we're not promised land, Right, we're not we're not promised that we are promised a heavenly home, um, and so yes, we are in a we are um, blessed um, in the heavenly places, as as, so we as Paul writes. Think more yes. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. The re- reality is, we aren't we aren't we aren't promised land. Um, we aren't promised that we will live a certain number of years. We aren't promised any of those things. But there is just a biblical principle in, in following the ways of Scripture that we can, we can maximize those lives. I mean, they're, they're good practices. For example, um, uh, Pastor Randy mentioned Wilt Chamberlain today, right? It it can make your life as long as you can possibly live to be married with to be one man and one woman married together in a in a harmonious relationship. That is a blessing. That is a physical blessing. It is a spiritual blessing as well. So I guess there there are physical blessings along as well. But that doesn't mean that that we're we're not going to get the we don't have this promise. That you know nobody's ever going to be, nobody's ever going to be uh, without child. You know we're not like like they would have had. We don't have that promise for that. We are promised. We are promised tribulations <laughs> in this life. We definitely are promised tribulations in this life. Um, I don't have the the, the little thing that uh, was in Debbie Taubert's um, obituary, but just think of in, in the tribulations if, if that we're promised. That if we took the attitude that you know what I'm, I'm convinced that I'm convinced that all of these things that I'm going through are by God's design, by my all-knowing, gracious, all-loving Father, right? And they've been personally designed for me because although God loves me just as I am he loves me too much to leave me as I am I'm paraphrasing but (laughs) but 
that's kind of the that's that's the attitude that that enables you to finish up that statement that, she, that the way that she did. And so I will joyfully accept whatever. So, so Barb is making the point that we, we look too much at, at physical rewards or rewards in this lifetime when, when we should be looking towards spiritual things. And we are blessed to be part of, we're blessed to be part of this group. As, as we started out with, we are loved by God and called to be his holy people. That's what we are. From, from both here and in uh, Romans and in other places. Well, let's wrap up with this last, thank you, Barb, and let's, let's wrap up with this last, this last little section, which is uh, verses 25 and 26. The carved images of their God you shall burn with fire. You shall not covet the silver or gold, that is in them, or take it for yourselves. So notice how intertwined the commandments are. Not coveting the silver or gold is related to loving the Lord your God, having no other gods before me, not worshiping idols. Lest you be ensnared by it, be ensnared by the gold. Is that a threat for us to be ensnared by the gold? For it is an abomination to the Lord your God, speaking of idols and everything associated with them. And you shall not bring an abominable thing, a substitute for worshiping God, basically, into your house and become devoted to destruction like it. So basically, we would be. When we do that, when we get snared by them, we are devoting ourselves to destruction. You shall utterly detest and abhor it, for it is a desecration. Well, we are out of time. I will close in prayer and then um, hang around for a few minutes afterwards if, if anybody wants to talk to more about any of these things. Father, thank you for your, um, your love for us, your covenant love for us. We thank you that you have called us to be uh, a holy people, a holy people to you, to you and to you alone. Lord, and we, we pray that, that you would mold us into that, that you would make us into that holy people, that you would sanctify us from from all our sins um, lord we we do know that it is a great privilege to gather here in this place uh, where we live 
to meet as fellow believers, and not everybody has this opportunity, and so we, we thank you for it. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.